0: Welcome to Getting to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing the founder of Sista Sci-Fi, Isis Asari. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's super good to be here, Rob. <laughs>
0: um, thank you for the energy. You're starting off. You, we're matching energy right now. So that's, that's great. A transference um, from one coast to the other. And you're recording or you're, you're speaking live from the West Coast. And I believe you might be the furthest away person that we've, we've had on this podcast. So that's, that's a first, your first.
1: Hey, I love you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's awesome. Um, and it makes sense. Um, I think with Afro features and then science fiction, we have like, oddly enough, but like a really strong base, um, on the East coast. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love DC Baltimore. I know y'all consider yourselves very different. Um, but yeah.
0: Them's is fighting words, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're like, don't uh, do that. Okay, okay, learn, i yeah.
0: No, no, you're good. The, the worst thing to say probably is, yeah, so over there and be more, it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> use the full word. Um, so <laughs> if you will, give us those vital stats, like what's your background and, and what compelled you to start sister sci-fi?
1: Yeah, so, um, ooh, what's my background? So I identify as a queer first-generation Ghanaian American um, I am currently in Oakland, California, but I was born in Harlem. Um, so yeah, I still have a lot of love and affinity for Harlem in New York. Um, what, and, and then in terms of career, like, so I went to college, I went to grad school, I worked in corporate America, and I was working in corporate America when I started Sister Sci-Fi. Um, and really it started because I was reading it. Um, I read Lilith Brood. And I had, I was like, I wanted to talk to somebody about it. So I talked to a friend about it. And then like at the end of this discussion, we we're like, what are we going to read next? And um, she started listing like N.K. Jemison and Nettie, no, it was like Nettie Corfort and Tomi Ayedemi. And at the time I didn't know either. And I felt like I missed two memos, one black woman writing science fiction, and both of them are West African. And I was like, wait. <laughs> I, I like I, I should have gotten I a note. I like somebody should have told me I'll be gel off or something like that. And I was like, I don't want anybody else to miss this memo. And I like e-commerce. So I was like, this, you know, this could be cool. So my idea was like, oh, it'll be well-read Black Girl, but sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of morphed and became like um the first black owned bookstore focused on science fiction and fantasy.
0: That's that's great, and I I think I would have another question. I don't want to bury the lead about that, so I think we're going to dive back in that a little bit later because I have an observation about that. But in it, in the the um I guess the bio for the site it says um, the sister sci-fi is a cauldron of all things Afrofuturism. So if you will, because you're you'll be the third person that's attempted, and the first two have said no, nah, I can't explain that. Could you define or how, what is your definition of Afro- Afrofuturism?
1: Yeah. Um, I love that question. And I always caveat it with, this is my definition of Afrofuturism. If you want the official definition, you can go to West Dictionary. Canary. Um, so for me, Afrofuturism really is a marriage of taking cultural aspects of, um, the African diaspora. So if it's West African or African-American or, um, afro british or caribbean culture and really in a very intentional way infusing it with technology and having characters that are empowered in the near or far future um and so for me all those three things have to be present you have to have like grounded um and intentional connection to uh, like diaspora culture so having a a a science fiction book set in the future and the character is black and passing. doesn't count. Um, you have to have an aspect of, of technology and, and to link that technology to the culture. So one of my favorite is like, um, Neil um, Hopkinson's midnight robber.
0: Mm-hmm. And like,
1: she has things like the Nancy net, which ties back to like, Nancy Fables and so forth, and she makes that like an omnipresent technology, which does everything from like unlock your front door to track where you're going at night to all those kind of things. Um, so that's kind of the technology, and then also that last part in part in the future, right? So. Sometimes you have uh, science fiction and fantasy where like you have people of color in the future and they're still traumatized and abreast. Um, and that's not yeah. a lot of fun. So for me, yeah, a key part of Afrofuturism is that it's in the future and we're empowered and and we're smart and we're mastering our um, destiny. So those are the three things I look for when I put something in the realm of Afrofuturism. And that is, the world according to ISIS
0: is sorry. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> I feel like that's a whole series. Is like the world according according to ISIS is sorry. Here's my thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that's a word that's thrown around because it has. It, it, I don't think there's one obviously one set definition, but I think it, I think I think the way that you explained it is really is like there are certain key elements, and I think there has to be someone that says, "Look, this has to be in there." It's like not saying that. You can't extend, but this has to be in there. You'll see things that have elements of it. Like the way you were describing it, I I agree with that definition too. Being a person that has watched different things that try to do it, and it's like, nah, that doesn't quite work. That's more sci fi. Oh, you're black, but also, right. um, Like, if it was a little bit further in the future, and they 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 state when it is, and that's the kind of the issue. But some of the stuff that they did in like Black Panther, it's like okay, you have that technology element. Obviously, they're in a fake country that's in you know maybe uh, Wakanda's real. I don't know, but uh, so that exists. But it kind of set it into the the kind of present contemporary times. But the technology is you know it's fantasy in that element in that way. So it's like. There's an attempt there. You you see these different convergences. You see things that look traditional of your know, various like African cultures that are making up that. And then you see technology that does not exist today. It's like, OK, there's an attempt there and that's in the direction. So when someone throws that out there, it's not because you, you know, might wear weird jewelry or something. It's like, that's cool, but it's not here for a future. But so I, I like the way that you defined it. Um yeah thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to talk about I want to talk about fandoms, right? Um mm. I've gone on paper <laughs> complaining about fans. Um not in a I I think certain things that we like we're very protective of, right? <laughs> and sometimes we'll give them a pass and I would imagine you being a person of color like me, a black person as well that you look at things, you're like, oh, this was not a good, I like this, but also this is in there, too. And this sucks, actually. Um, and especially if you encounter the things as, as a kid, right? So, like, when people talk, talk to me about, let's say, Ghostbusters for sake of argument. I always mm-hmm. talk about Ghostbusters, too, because to me, that's the black one. I was like, yo, Bobby Brown is in it, and his soundtrack is, like, super black. And I was like, but then he also had that weird, corny, yeah, man, I want to get one of them proton packs for my brother. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a little coonish. But fine. Um, so in what ways or, or, or what ways have early literary or pop culture experiences and personal history kind of led you to maybe crafting how you are, you're, you're, working with sister Sci-Fi? Um, wow.
1: So I'm processing that question. Um,
0: that was a lot there, I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, um, So I think a response to fandom, I think one thing that came up for me is I consider myself a professional fangirl. um, (laughs) Love it. Um, And and, and when I say that, I mean that, like, I think there's a special place in heaven for Black creatives, right? Right. Um, Especially Black creatives that are doing it for the culture, um, as hackneyed and cheesy as that means. Because, like, there are (laughs) are a lot of other ways to move in the world, right? Um, And it's not always easy to, like, develop and maintain that authentic voice right
0: sure, yeah. um
1: so i mean like anything i can do to grow up a black creative within um my limited bandwidth i'm here for it. um in terms of things that kind of like influenced me and i think so much comes into my head i'm like ah, doing right? right um so and i guess since i run a bookstore i guess i should start with literature so um <laughs> <laughs> so I was really excited about like diff- like all the different literature movements, particularly um, the literature that came out of the, like the Harlem Renaissance. Right. And that writing and that kind of like writing of how, how do we think about like the new Negro and defining blackness and like that opportunity and so forth. Um, and I loved writing like in terms of when I was growing up contemporary stuff like Alice Walker um, and Toni Morrison, and rewriting and rethinking about the black experience, right, Um, and particularly Alice Walker, like going back and like, almost like rediscovering Zornel Hurston for like a new generation. Um, And so when I think about how those two women writers kind of influenced me, I think they gave me the power to move differently, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And not everything has to be like this very heteronormative way of operating in the world. Um, and then also to pay homage to like the culture references that came before us, right. From mm-hmm. all over the diaspora. Um, so I don't know if that answers my, your question.
0: No, I mean, I think, you think it's apl- applicable to what one's fandom is. So like, like one of my fandoms and obviously in, in doing a podcast, I, I remember I, 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 I'll put it this way. I got to give you this context. I'm a six foot four, 300 pound black man with a beard. So you got that right and i can be verbally aggressive sometimes because i'm very i'm very quick with what i say sometimes so i'll leave that where it is at so i'm the things that i like i'm not a jerk about it but i come with a certain slant especially with things that i'm very passionate about such as podcasting so if someone comes to me about podcasting i'll make a point i was like when you think of a podcaster do you think of someone who looks like me or some white dude with a beard It's like, it's probably that. And I was like, that gives me that, that notion of my fandom is as a person who enjoys podcasts, I'm not seeing someone that represents my take and my angle more often than not. So in some ways, in the back of my head, maybe I feel like it's my duty to kind of show out and show that I'm really good at this and kind of help amplify people who look like me. It's like, okay, yeah, this is how you can do this better. I, I, you know, having that amount of experience because I was like some white dude with a neck beard is going to tell you that you're not good at it or your opinions don't matter when it comes to especially like something like 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 fandom or pop culture or anything in the realm of what sister sci fi is talking about those those areas. And that's that's the thing that gets me like I remember this is not in the same, but I remember a a radio show host that I was a big fan of. And um, he's been outed for kind of kind of being a scumbag a little bit, um, which is great because screw him. But I, I remember when the uh, the most recent Spider-Man, like the Tom Holland Spider-Man came out. And this was uh, when he first appeared in what, Civil War. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, man, the mask looks really cool and all of this. And he went out of his way to hit me with a response like, yeah, you just don't you must not know the comics, bro. And I was like, well, and I pointed out references as to this is what they're doing here. And I was like, oh, a black guy with an opinion isn't as valid as your, your opinion. It's mm. like, oh, my fandom isn't worth as much as yours. Mm. And it's, it's really interesting to see that. And it always ties to people who are very protective of the things that they think resonates and connects with them. And it, it gives them that bias, those blinders.
1: Mm. Yeah. So. OK. <sighs>
0: I noticed the exhale. There's
1: there's so much to say. Um, So, and there's fandom, and then there's the invalidation of others Mm -hmm. and the othering of the voices and the silencing of BIPOC voices. Mm -hmm. I think in my mind, I I tend to separate them a lot, right? Um, With Sister Sci Fi, and like it's one of our opening mantras, like we are creating, like we're celebrating. POC, um, BIPOC content, and also we're creating spaces for BIPOC voices, right? Um, Because like hosting events that like kind of celebrates and analyzes um, BIPOC content, (laughs) particularly when we're in person, like we get together, we gather and like the one um, non-BIPOC person would like have all the questions and all the commentary and related to like the grandmother, which is great, but not the purpose of like said event. So it had to be like, this is like a bipoc conversation about bipoc content yeah. and we're here for this. So like, in like, in my experience, it's kind of like sometimes when it's like, well, ugh, I remember I remember this one anymore. You know, like, well, yeah, you know, I'm a huge fan of Octavia Butler. I met her in like 19 and like, she told me this and like, I wonder why you're doing so-and-so. And I'm like,
0: Have you even been to my website? The words are there. It's it's pretty clear. It's it's pretty clear. It's it's a thing. And, you you know, like, you you know, again, like when people I I make it a point sometimes when I'm like, yo, have you checked this stuff out? It's like, you know, especially what I'm doing, like, you know, outside of the 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 fandom component or what have you just as a person. It's like I am a black person first. So a lot of the things that are coming through that prism, it's not like I like it because it's black. It's like I am a black person that like this. So I might like it for a different reason than you do. So, and, and we can go down layer to layer to layer, right? But I remember when, you know, different things were happening as far as social unrest and just the, the more prevalent and out there social unrest i had people for the first time ever hit me in the dms why are you so political i was like because i'm a black man and i'm an endangered species and that's why and, and i was like so i like stories like this and it's um it's one person i should probably connect you with i think you'll be a huge fan of okay. it's um it's a um, artist named um kamasi barnett and what he does is he takes like old comic covers and he changes them to have a social justice slant to it, so instead oh, of so instead of the uh, amazing black man i mean instead of the amazing spider man's the amazing black man, and it's it's gold it's gold
1: I'm <laughs> here for it i'm I'm like googling it now, so that sounds amazing, and uh hopefully they have yeah, oh I see the amazing black man I'm here for it. Um, Instead of
0: Daredevil, yeah. it's White Devil. It's just pure gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's <just> like, look. <laughs> and and, and, that's, and I, I interviewed him and we were kind of talking about that of like, you know, having that shift because we 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 do this thing. And again, going back to like time, right? We we do this thing where we want to forget the history of some of these things. And it's like, you know, back in the 50s, the golden era of some of these things is not great. Right. And we, you know, as far as our content being out there and available to the way that it is now, because we care about black creators, wank wank hint, hint. We weren't around then. So we don't even have It's like ours is just ours has other things in it. Ours has sexism in it. Ours has, ours has um, like sexism. We have uh, homophobia and things of that nature. But ultimately, if people are do- doing things in a well-intentioned manner and they're being done, I guess, right and inclusive. We're not doing the same thing that y'all did. <laughs> right.
1: Right. And it and it shouldn't be expected to be done the same. Right. And it shouldn't be um, I think sometimes it's difficult. It's like when people are in the space and it's like, you know, this, this content was not created for you in mind. And that is okay. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was like Barry Jenkins in like discussing um the Underground Railroad, the Amazon TV series, yeah. like, began using, I don't know if he, like, coined the term, but, like, used the term the black gaze mm-hmm. in an article, and I was like, that's powerful, because I think we're so much, so used to saying, like, you know, the white gaze, or this is not for the white gaze, but what does it mean to say, like, this is for the black gaze, or, like, the female gaze, or whatever, like, yeah. to really change who, like, who this is made for, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's attempts to do that too. Like when when I see something get made, it's like, it's almost like I want to do the, um, Issa Rae thing. It's like, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's, that's kind of the energy. And while acknowledging, like I can acknowledge the quality, the well doneness of something while it not necessarily being something that I can relate to in the same way. And I, I think, and, and we'll leave this and move to another topic. Cause I can talk about this forever. Like, Hey man, pop and all this, but, um, I just remember explaining to white folk going back to Barry Jenkins, like, yeah, so this scene that was in Moonlight, right? And I was like, oh, am I explaining this? And am I the am I the representative right now? And I was like, look, it's hard being black. Moving on, you know. <laughs> like, just, I was like, and we do well while it's being hard. So moving on. Right. Um, can you share some of the? Some of your recent influences, maybe specific works in visual art, literature, film, music, really things that like, yeah, that's, mm, I like, I like what I'm doing as a result of this. Like, I'm really like, sometimes I'll hear a podcast. I was like, this is why I'm doing it. Or I'll watch a movie. I was like, man, I can't wait to review this movie. Is there something that really just is like, this is yummy creatively?
1: I mean, like, again, I'm a professional fangirl. So like, there's so much, um, I really enjoyed Fire Sector. Um, it's a graphic novel by N.K. Jemison. It's great for fans of Green Lantern, but it's also great for fans of N.K. Jemison. The artwork is by Jamal Campbell. Um, he also did the artwork for Naomi. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you have like N.K. Jemison's incredible like world building and character development, and you get into the psychology of it. Um, and then you have Jamal Campbell's like amazing artwork, um, and I was just like, "Yes, I'm just here for like these images, right?" And it's kind of like fascinating to me because like reading graphic novels is something I do because like I have a bookstore focused on science fiction and fantasy, and like the people in the community are like, "You are not going to be like with us and not read graphic novels." So I was like, "Okay, so yeah, so there's there's that." Um, so that's been really, um amazing and something I really enjoyed um I, I still haven't show you this book because it's been out forever and I keep talking about it so In Kindness of Ghost um we have special signed editions in hardcover because it was printed like straight um to paperback because I think it was the author's like first published book um and I just love the character and I love River Solomon and I love the publisher so that um like works like that always make me really happy um so that's books in terms of film oh my god I haven't watched um, in terms of like media and like television and stuff like that I'm I'm like a I'm not a big Trekkie but I love like Star Trek I'm just be honest I love Star Trek Discovery and I'm so happy that she's finally a captain I was like I've been waiting like I think it's like season four or five I was like Uh I've been on this ride, so I'm happy. <laughs> she's probably a captain. And then, in terms, oh, in terms of music, I mean, like there's like the standard answer, like Janelle Monet. But I'm really here for a Little like, X his last couple videos, which are very like Afro futuristic and out mm-hmm. there, um, and just a lot like him allowing himself to be the fullest expression of himself. So yeah, um, shows that I'm excited about. Better <laughs> down the pipeline. Um, I cannot wait for the movie adaptations, um, movie television adaptations of Butler's work. I just want to see how they're created. And like, I think a lot of fans are really scared. But I think if you're scared about something, that means you're pushing the envelope. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, Nomi, Naomi coming to CW, which will yeah. be helmed by Ava DuVernay. I think that'll be awesome. I just hope. Yeah.
0: I mean, cause this is being
1: recorded. I think that'd be awesome. And uh,
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, think- cut all of that out, Rob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
1: Phoenix song Echo is coming to like Disney plus, which follows like a differently abled native American superhero. Yeah. And I love Phoenix. And I was like, and she's going to be native American and differently abled. It's so like, I'm here for that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, as they say, um, and I and I say this in a real way. Representation matters, because you know you, like. But I and I mean I, one of the things I always say when when people are making attempts, I was like, don't do it for the diversity cloud. If we're gonna do it, do it all the way. That's that's the thing that I like to see. I was like, I want to see the the fat guy in a movie that's the hero and that gets the girl or gets the guy or whatever, not this comedy relief and vice versa. You know, I want to see, you know, not something that just feels like. Like the most recent Chucky, right? The, uh, child's play. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, uh, eh, was like, y'all a little young. All right, then, cool. I was like, I don't, I was 14 at one point. I don't, I don't know if I was doing any of this. All right, then, y'all got it. And, you know, let it live and then, and, and then watch it. And then some people who are in that, that fandom space is like, uh, you're doing too much. It's like, it's the, the story is a, a gay dude did this. So I'm sure some of him, some of his DNA in what this is. So let it live. I was like, this is the the guy has always been. I was like, Chucky is a very campy character. Let's be real, guys. I was like, Do you know what you're watching? You know, that's what I, <laughs> I that's what I say sometimes. Um, so this is the question. I'm glad we're getting to it now, and I think this is going to be a big shout out to Kumari, my girlfriend. Uh, so there's a belief that black women do not like horror, sci-fi, or fantasy genres. I find that to be an outdated idea and those genres are usually dominated by, by white males, if we're, we're being honest and historically speaking, um, what are your thoughts on the relationship be, with black women consuming and creating in these genres?
1: Right. So when I saw that question, I was like, I think it made me laugh and like laugh out loud. I was like, who is this? Um, and then I was like, this is, this is the the blessing of being in a very insulated bubble. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah. it's weird because I never questioned, like I always grew up being like a black woman who like loved science fiction um, and enjoyed horror, right? And I think I never questioned it. Like, oh, do like, am I supposed to? Do other black women like this? Um, And we do, right? And I think the reason why that myth kind of like stays around is because when you look at media right where you have black women that make it to popular culture like get a lot of like of the attention of popular culture like that sci-fi element or that horror element may not be first and foremost yeah. right so if you think of like oh like what's what's a book like by a black woman right now in the new york times bestseller is it's like the vanishing half right um but you also have like my sister is serial killer, <laughs> right? Which is both the genre of my Right. And so it's good to see like there are very different ways that we can be black now and they're all yeah. celebrated. Um, so yeah. So I would like to like officially say on record that that is dead. Like there are a lot of black women who really get with horror science fiction and all the other anime. Yeah. Like, all the things.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's a convention. There are more women that goes to BlurredCon than, like, dudes. And I'm like, look. Because, uh, uh, like, I didn't get the subscription to Shudder. She did. And she's like, yeah, so we watching this? I was like, this is a little, a little strong for, for my taste. I was <laughs> so like, I'm the...
1: <laughs> Tiana dude who's like, a horror writer and did the documentary. I um, think it's... Horror noir, a yeah. century of black horror. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, black women are in this. And if you look at the people they interview, I would say like it's at least 50 50, if not more, women than men that Absolutely. they interview for that documentary.
0: I, I had this running bit about the, I think it was a four hour documentary just about like horror in general and i was just like "Yo, it's a lot of dry white people here in this and that's just a running bit it looks like whenever we see like greg nicotero it's like your hair is falling out sir as you're talking like if you <laughs> can you get a prop guy to help you out can you glue it in like what are we doing but yeah and i i will say and i don't know if you have you watched the when they tried to do the series version of horror noir
1: no um i haven't i need. i know i need to
0: it's just dis- they did a little bit of a disservice um, instead of, and, and not giving anything away, obviously, but it, it, instead of it being a mini series, which it probably should have been like four or five episodes, kind of like what Creepshow was, I, I think they just did it as like a two hour thing made up of four stories that are not really interconnected. And it's like, look, you have the same name as the documentary. So that's a strike right there. Cause people think it's the same thing. Right. And then two, you have these things, which sometimes when you, when you can see something like horror is comedy sometimes for me. Right. So I was just like, all right, they did this story, you've worked in, they weaved in some elements of like social justice, or if I like to say, like being more aware of the people around you, but you did it as a disservice of like, we got to get all of this out there. So let's just put them all there and we're done. Mm-hmm. And it should have been a, a series, like four or five parts, because it easily could have been, cause it's, it's I think it's like two and a half hours. So if you got four sections, you can just break that down into like 40 minute chunks or what have you. Mm-hmm. But um it's definitely worth the watch and I want to know what your thoughts are when you watch it.
1: Oh, watch it. I'll watch it. I'm it's, I'm looking forward
0: to fun. it. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. You you're, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh it's like and it's definitely when you're watching you almost want to point out like, yeah, a black person wrote that. That's definitely something a black person says.
1: <laughs> I'm excited. Um speaking of which, what did you think of the newest Candyman? <laughs> uh
0: I think they had a lot of ideas. Um and i like that it was an homage to the past and covering the future and i like that um de costa you know i think she did a really good job visually um and it wasn't as scary cuz i rewatched the most recent one i mean the the the, the old one the first one i'm um, recently for a review since it's coming up on the 30th anniversary um i think they're about even though but in different ways like i like them both but in different ways but in i think visually this new one looks a lot better than Mm -hmm. that, than that that earlier one. And granted I was six when the first one came out. So it's kind of one (laughs) of those things of, I didn't have that. Hey, I'm an adult watching this for the first time as I, as I have with this most recent one. Um, But I think the most recent one, I have to watch it maybe one or two more times to appreciate it. But that commentary on art, I really like that, especially for what I'm doing. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, huh, Okay, cool. And I, I liked Yaya in it, and I really like Coleman Domingo.
1: <laughs> Domingo is so fire. Like, you know, there's some actors that you respect. You're like, oh, I respect their craft. They're so good. Regina King is one of those actors. Yes. Coleman Domingo is like, I just need him to send me like a text like, hey, girl, we need to talk. Because I'm just like, he just seems like he has all the tea and all the fire. Like, he would always be on 10. Like, I yeah. love him and like everything from like, um, if Bill Street can talk. Yeah. I watch All the Fear of the Walking Dead. His character is so nuanced and a bit crazy in this last season. Um, and he, he was great in um, Candyman, I think. And I love Yaya, but I think in Candyman, the newest one, I liked his character more. I appreciated the new Candyman. I actually like Sister I did like a whole like crash course Candyman so you can know all the fun facts before you watch the new one. That's great. And I was like, Oh, the whole multiple Candyman? I was like, oh, this is...
0: I don't think I was ready for that. Yeah. Um, We're all Candyman. Spoilers (laughs) are
1: allowed. So, yeah. I liked the role of the girlfriend and the mom. Um, So I appreciated that. Um, And yeah, and then the commentary on like Black art, Black creativity, um, the consumption of Black art. um, And then that 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 through line of like gentrification and displacement and so forth was very fascinating to me
0: so yeah i i think like the, the they were just a few things that were ideas that were left hanging and i thought um especially stuff with like the um the girlfriend's brother and his um partner that stuff was kind of like left hanging a little bit um and i think uh even with the depiction of, I'm trying to think who it was, whoever jumped um when they were in the projects and it's like someone jumped, it's like, how is this framed? Or I was expecting almost a payoff when they were, when the, um, girlfriend was talking about her dad and her brother was talking about their dad. I was like, can we get some payoff here? And it, to me, it felt like either there was a fair amount of cutting for, to, to hit a certain timeline that like we need to be at 90 minutes, hundred minutes or whatever, but I think either you drop that, but again, some of the elements of the things that felt black in it, namely, like the mom, she's not improved as an actor at all in in 30 years. Like it's not, not my favorite. Um, but that was a, that, some of it wasn't an act. It's like, mm-mm, we don't talk about that. Mm-mm. Right. Or even the, um, the girlfriend was like, nah, mm-mm, I ain't going down there. Nah. I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> the, we,
1: it was <laughs> like, it was a hard note. Like, nope. we are not, we are not doing that today. I was like, yes, that is correct.
0: But, we are um, not. I, but the, the big payoff. And I, I just wish it was a, like when I saw it, I saw, I think it was at a uh, debut as a special screening and I wish there was that that element of theaters were normal right like not coveted out because when you get towards the end in the police segment i was like oh yeah this is gonna be lit y'all not getting out of this bye enjoy (laughs) enjoy the bees whatever right
1: i definitely i definitely appreciated that scene um and also like just the groundedness to like use that, that, that method, that magic of Candyman as a weapon in yeah. that situation where like, you know, Candyman is scary, but like police brutality is far scarier. So like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely. It's, it's going to be a rewatch. Cause I, I don't think I, further, I completely absorbed it, but I remember thinking it was different, but enjoyable. Uh, yes. So I got a few more questions before because I just threw these in there. You don't have these. these are rapid fire questions I'll hit you with in a, in a few minutes. Okay. But so these are the last two real questions I have. But then I'm going to get into cartoon questions. Uh, do do you have a, a network of other artists or, or writers that you rely on? And in what ways do you support each other, that community of, of people? Because uh, I would imagine there is a community, a sisterhood, as, as one might might say. But tell me um, a little bit more about how how you all work together.
1: Yeah, we're a community of sister sci-fi siblings to be more gender expansive. Um, Yeah, and I would say it's a mix of both like online and virtual and then in person. So like in terms of the community, like I'm personally very active in our social media. And so I appreciate all of that. Um, And I don't know if they're like all creatives, but they're all... um, I'm really fascinated by the genre of science fiction and fantasy and that, and that intersection of like black and native American representation and some authors, right? So like, um, I'm part of like the street team for, um, JL's, um, Ashes of Gold, which comes out um, next year. And so that's been fun. Um, John Jennings is great. John Jennings is like an artist, um, a professor, um, a movement maker, and like, I'm like, whatever is going on, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be like more s- scholarly um, academics, right? So, like, there's Ayanna Jameson, and for all of these people, like, the nexus is actually like social media and like <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, which, you know, I probably spent too much on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> in person, like, it's really been gravitating around like cultural institutions that kind of like get me. So like sister sci is based out of a co-working space. So Oakstop has been, and it's really like a co-working space that was built from the ground up by a black creative. And so he created a co-working space that like have black um, and um, creatives first and foremost. And then like in person, like Mopop in Seattle has been a great co- collaborator and then the Oakland, California the Oakland Museum of California has also been a strong collaborator. <laughs> and then in terms of like putting me in contact with people who I connect with here. Um, and then also there've been folks like sister sci-fi siblings who've like started to organize events. So like, when we like organized like the sister sci-fi watch parties um, a lot last year and so forth. So it's a broad network in terms of the creativity space.
0: No, I, I like it. I, I, I think that, it, it it allows for a different perspective it it allows for more more discourse i guess if that's the, the terminology or what have you and it allows for that message to get spread and it's like oh everyone is everyone's welcome like um i don't know if you've been to it or you've heard about have you heard of BlurredCon? yes make your way over to the east coast so <laughs> Uh, but it, one of the things that's, that's really big there is inclusivity, inclusivity, inclusivity. And I just feel like you should have a table there. You gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect you with, with, with the founder. And it's like, look, ISIS need to have a table. A good one. <laughs> this is
1: good. I mean, I'll be in Baltimore. I mean, I think it'll be in February. But, um, yeah, let's connect. I mean, like, and now you're officially a part of my network. So yeah, let's, let's connect. Yay. I'm here for it. Um, (laughs) I'm here
0: for it. I got, I got got one more question, um, of the real questions. And this, this is one that I, I think you, you've kind of touched on, but I like to get people's feedback because I think, especially when I speak with someone that's a creator or creator adjacent or organizer in that space, what does generosity do you mean? and in what ways do you feel like what your work is how do you emulate that and how would one pay it forward i guess because that's Mm -hmm. a big thing like you know it's Mm -hmm. like catch one catch all that that kind of thing it's like oh you got me well you you got baltimore now because i represent all of baltimore
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um one of our one of our our sister sci-fi's principles is the principle of so that that's how i guess i think about generosity Right, so it's how as a black business, am I creating a ripple effect economically within the black and um, <clears throat> community? So it's everything from like, um, as much as possible, like all my, um, all my consultants, so like my CFO, my graphic, um, my social media manager, my graphic designer, like they're all also black women business owners. Right, because like if we don't support ourselves, who who else is going to support us? Right, Right? um, and then also, like, they get it, right? Um, so that's a part of what I'm I'm doing. Um, obviously, I'm focusing on um, black women writers in this space, not exclusive to, but that's my focus, black and Native American writers in this space. Um, but also, what I'm trying to do is particularly as I head into 2022, is like, how do I create opportunities in a meaningful way for self published authors? I, I thought it would be much easier than it actually is, <laughs> <And> it's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm really trying to find a systematic way to create opportunities for like self-published authors because I think sometimes it's hard. It's hard for a bookstore to create space for those. And I don't want to just like, oh, it's hard and not do anything because I really feel like there's a need. Um, and just really thinking about like, how do I create a virtuous cycle? Like as I grow, that also means that like, there's a growth for like, um, everybody else in the community. Right. So like, how do I, like, as I drive visibility to the books that I'm also driving visibility to the booktubers to talk about the books and like the books, the grammars, and like the people who review the books yeah. who like may, um, may be doing it from a place of just like passion and joy, yeah. but also making sure that their work is seen and is valued. So that's kind of like how I think about generosity, like in the term of Ujima.
0: I appreciate that and a there is a, a local kind of like black led nonprofit that's here that they definitely have the Kwanzaa oriented like philosophy as part of what they're doing and it's through it's like yeah you know this was the first few years but now we definitely want to have those principles incorporated and um recently and it was not news and I and I interviewed um I interviewed the founder for uh for Giving Tuesday we were kind of talking about it and he was like, huh, hmm. He's like, we had a Baltimore Raven make the biggest $200,000 donation to their organization. And that's one of the biggest donations to, if not the biggest, to a black led, black founded, like, uh, nonprofit. And nobody really talked about it. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting. And he's like, our principles are rooted, you know, he said, definitely we're being more vocal and more demonstrative about our, um, mission being oriented around, like, Ujamaa and all of these different things, especially connected to blackness. And um, it's like, yeah, I feel like, hmm, you know, just just funny how that wasn't even covered. Not news for some reason.
1: Right. Right.
0: But uh, it's it's big or what have you. And, you know, it's just a found, I think, for like resources. I always want to like find out, like, what are what are organizations doing? Because it's it's important. It's important for us to really be able to to help ourselves. And because we make up the culture, we drive the coolest stuff. And if we're able to help each other. That's where the real, the real magic happens, I think. Right. agree. All right. Here's, here's my ridiculous questions. I got three of them. Um, <laughs> uh, two of them are, are short. All of these are intended to be short answers, like really matter of fact. Like, look, I said what I said, what you said was some. Uh, it, it's aimed to be that. Um, but the last one might be a little longer. All right. First one. Music, audio books, or podcasts. What what is your preference between those three? And if you if you whatever your preference is, give me an example of what you recently been into.
1: Music. Um so yeah, so spot like I love Spotify. I'm like, if there's an app that I could marry, it would be Spotify. Um so, like I've been saying this for like a long time. That's an episode so, of Black um,
0: Mirror, by the way. Uh, it does seem like it's like, yeah, I married Spotify. I was like I says, what is you sure? yeah. what is your 2021 rap to, like what is this right
1: and I was, I was about to talk about that i love like and then i talked to my 2021 rap which was like i'm like oh look at me growing look at how my music tastes have changed so like there's a lot of Afrobeat in there i discovered with like i got into like Wizkid a lot so yeah i'm like that's what that's why i love spotify because spotify knows me like
0: yeah yeah well, a too um, well but, actually sometimes what? A little too well sometimes. I got my podcast wrapped and I was like, yeah, people listen to you all the time. I like, oh no, my real secret's in there. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. And so, yeah, so of the three, it would be music. And sometimes, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's probably, it's probably actually all three for me. I've really gotten into audiobooks recently because uh, I was having a conversation um, with, because get to the spot where I'm not the biggest reader, but the way that I consume books is it's audiobooks, what have you. That's works for me because I, I can't quiet my mind the way that I would like to be able to sit there and just focus. It's like it's hard for me. So, um, but the way I'll consume it, I'll listen to an audiobook like five, six, seven times. And it's like yeah, I know everything in here. Boom. You whereas, do. <laughs> whereas if I if I um, like read it, I'm not retaining it the way that I would like. So it can be a little frustrating at times. So right now I've been listening to um, Shannon Lee's like ebook about Bruce Lee, and it's called "Be Water, My Friend," and it's just like talking about positive affirmation and, and kind of things of that nature. And I'm like, yeah, Bruce Lee was right. This is great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the one thing I would say is that listening to an audiobook is a reading, so well, you are you. reading um, as a fellow audiobook. Listener and I was really like, oh, I have to choose one. I love audiobooks. I've loved audiobooks for a long time. Um, so yeah, I'm about to
0: like. <laughs> um, are you a night owl or early riser or early bird? To go with the whole bird analogy nonsense, because yeah. uh, I'm a writer.
1: Um, naturally, I'm a night owl. Um, and then uh, about two months ago, I started doing 4AM meditation. So
0: mm. now I'm an early bird well let's see how this goes huh yeah isn't that something isn't it funny how that shift happens Uh huh. i used to like i have insomnia on occasions so uh i'll wake up in the middle of the night and i'm just like look if i'm not going if i'm not back to sleep in the next 10 minutes i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. go to computer and do some work and um and i'll fall asleep at like 10 o'clock now because i'm i'm washed at 36 i'm done it's over right i'll just just say i'm done i'm washed up you know i'm knackered (laughs) cheese and crackers uh now this is the last one I have for you. Um and I have my feelings about this series and it got canceled which I which I think was premature. Um but I I uh, speculative fiction sort of way, if Lovecraft Country got a second season, what maybe historical event would you want to see covered in it? Cuz they 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 covered um I think in the first season they covered um Emmett Till, they covered Black Wall Street in some ways. Um so some of those things that we know to be real life things and they kind of expanded upon that in season two, if they were to do one, which they got canceled by HBO, but hey, they can pop up somewhere else in a different format. What would you want to see covered?
1: Oh my What gosh, major event? Person. Yeah. Um, one <clears throat> Lovecraft love Country, Um I was here for, I mean, there were some parts that were wrong, but I loved it. Um I think Misha Green is gonna take it somewhere. So um I think I saw a post that she was uh in conversation with I think it was like maybe Apple or something like that. I heard that so, too, yeah. sending positive vibrations that way. Um and also now I'm procrastinating because I'm like, oh what history is like my worst subject. Um second worst subject after it's the only thing worse than history is probably accounting for me. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Same. Right? It's like, oh, what, what is this number here? What? Right, why are like, those uh, numbers red? Oh, right, I'm losing so. money. Got it. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, um, historical events. Um, I'm trying to like in that time zone, and they covered so much in Lovecraft Country. Like they covered like the first black woman in a motorcycle across the country. They, did, like, yeah. they cover like artwork um, uh, through. So maybe one thing I didn't see was kind of like, uh, I don't know if this is, you know, I don't have a good answer because I'm like, I would just be pulling stuff that like comes to mind and not necessarily something that um, I really want a good answer to this and
0: well, but here, here's one of the things i think to consider which could help you with this block maybe uh, i because I, I i think the way that the question is framed it kind of leads you to a block i think the way that they left off they could do almost anything with that second season right yeah. he- theoretically so they could maybe focus on the the daughter and kind of do a time jump because there there are some things like for instance michael k williams passed away so that is, that situation is gone. So we could jump literally 20 years and we could be in the 80s and you can have right. a litany of historical things in the 80s. You can do, what is it? Um, the move coalition. You could do a litany of different things. You can have like, yeah, man, it was a bunch of like, uh, predators in the subways and in, in New York, see it's full circle, full circle, New Yorker.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so this is, I mean, like, I would, cause I was like, you can go really way back and like do Buffalo soldiers. And I was like, is that something I'm really excited about? Or is it just because like the harder they the harder they fall is on my mind? <laughs> I don't know. Um, like you could do like the migration of like well, they kind of talked about it. and also it's like, oh, I start thinking about stuff like you already did that, like the migration of like um southern blacks to like cities like Chicago and New York, but they kind of talk about that in mm-hmm. uh, Lovecraft Country um then i was like would it be cool to incorporate like the black panther movement in like something like lovecraft country that would be cool um so yeah cool. so what we, i mean what would make lots of sense with like especially if we're talking about d and the daughter and then like the um the development of hippolytus okay
0: so i just needed to talk about <laughs> so See, much. see, <laughs> so, yeah, and the,
1: the development of um hippolytus character um like incorporating hidden figures, right? Cause that's not something that was necessarily, it, it speaks to like what Dee's about in the Hippolyta story. And like, she being like a woman who's, um, throughout the episode was very vocal about her passion about um, STEM. So yeah. that's that's what I would like to see. Um, and kind of taking the whole real history of that, of the hidden figures um, and their work with NASA and then adding like a sci-fi
0: fantasy element to it. Yeah. Like I, I like that kind of, you know, this story, quote unquote, it has that element of like speculative fiction with it, almost like with some of the things that I like the most of, Especially with the more recent one, especially you, you mentioned Regina, but w- with the uh, uh, Watchmen or what have you, it's like yeah, we have this in there, but this is really what happened, and put it in within their universe—that's the, what is most successful about that franchise. The the. Um, Zack Snyder movie and the series. That's what's most effective about that. It's like, yeah, you know this story we've shown you a thousand times, but did you know this covert superhero blicked right. him off, like shot Kennedy or what have you? Like, oh, word. So I, I like when people, when, when uh, content tends to do that. So having that in there, it's like, yeah, you know, well, actually she was one of the, Hippolyta was one of the, the three women that were involved in Hidden Figures. And right, right. And if you can, this is what would be the most effective way. They, they wouldn't do it because they wouldn't give me the thing that I want. But just have Janelle just pop up in there. And she reprises her character from it. And it's like, yeah, I was working with her. And it's right. like, boom, here you go. We're just crossing universes. Yes. So that's all that I have. But I want to invite you. One, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. You were great. And two, I want to invite you to tell the fine folks where they can find you and more about uh, sister uh, uh, Sci-Fi.
1: Thank you so much. Um, you can visit us on our website, www.sistersci-fi.com, And that's sister, S-I-S-T-A-H, in case you're wondering. Um, and sci-fi is S-C-I-F-I and then .com. And then you can also follow us on all the socials. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, whatever strikes your fantasy um, at sistersci Sci-Fi.
0: So there you have it, folks. I want to thank you again, Isis Asari, for being on this podcast. And um, I'll wrap up from there. So uh, Isis Asari from Sista Sci-Fi. And I'm Rob Lee Sander. There is art in and around your city. You just got to look for it.